All right. My name is Chad Bourne. I'm an inmate with young adults, and I'm so excited that I get this passage tonight because Jesus comes. We're in the Sermon on the Mount, and we are in chapter 6. We're going to be doing verses 1 through 8, jumping a little bit and doing 16 through 18. And it is not because it's not a good part of the passage. It's because it's a great part of the passage, and we're going to concentrate on it entirely next week. So Cross is going to take it, and that is the Lord's Prayer. So tonight what we get to do is see the context of the Lord's Prayer and why the Lord's Prayer is so important to our lives because it is part of what Jesus communicating the kingdom of God is coming. It's a collision between heaven and earth. Jesus is the first part of it. We see a little bit now with the Holy Spirit who's living through us, but someday Jesus is coming back. And we're going to see it in its full glory, Jesus in his full glory, and how we're going to be a part of the kingdom of God. But right now he says there's work to be done. We have a way that we're going to be living differently because we are part of a kingdom that is not part of the kingdom of the earth right now. So this is what we're going to do. I want us to see that um, that a lot of what God is expecting us, more than just the works that, that we have the opportunity to do, is the condition of our heart. So we're going to read through uh, Matthew chapter 6. If you're, if you're not there, you can go ahead and flip it to there. It will also be on the screen. And we're going to talk. Uh, we'll read it, pray, and then we'll get straight into it. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, and they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners that they may be seen by others truly i say to you they have received their reward but when you pray go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you and when you pray do not heap up empty phrases as the gentiles do for they think that they will hear they will be heard for their many words do not be like them for your Father who knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. And here we have the part that we won't be seen, but it's important that we read it anyways. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day your, our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others your trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Verse 16, And when you fast, do not look gloomily like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may be seen by others. Um, not by others, but by your Father who's in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, how you have made uh, just complex uh, ideas about the kingdom of God just simple so that we can understand it. I pray, Lord, today that you would do a work in our heart, that we'd be able to just be very um, attentive to what you have for us tonight. And I pray, Lord, that it wouldn't be me speaking, but you through me. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So we're going to start right away with, if you notice, this is kind of a, a piggyback on what we saw a couple weeks ago about salt and light. So it's almost like God is, Jesus is taking the salt and light principle and he's saying, okay, you're supposed to live in a way that shines before men, but now let's focus in on that light. What is that light supposed to look like? Well, it's supposed to be pure. It's supposed to look like our heavenly father. And so through that, if you notice as we were reading, there's three things that come up. First is giving. We're going to look at what that looks like, what prayer and fasting. And those were things that were commonly practiced by the Jews at that time. It was part of the law, and the Pharisees were constantly talking about it and living it out in different ways. And so before we get into what they were doing wrong about it, let's talk about what those three, those three things are. Because first of all, you have giving. And giving, it's in this context that we're going to be seeing, it's not just the tithe that we give, but how we give in a way that is just out of the overflow of what God has given you. But it also reminds us of who God is, because when we think of giving and that God has kind of commanded us to do it, it reminds us of God's provision. When you have to reach into your pocket and you hand something out to someone else, you, you are reminded that first God put it in your pocket so that you could give it to someone else. You also have prayer. Do you know what prayer reminds you of? It reminds you that God's there. When you decide in the middle of your day, man, this has been a rough day, but I have a heavenly father with open access to the God of the universe and I get to talk to him, that reminds you that God's presence is right there. Prayer is an incredible gift among so many different things that come along with prayer. And fasting. Fasting is interesting because it reminds us of God's holiness. It reminds us, it kind of separates us from like we need, even the most basic thing is, is food. The most basic thing in our life is that we have to eat, and fasting takes that away so that we can concentrate on the Lord and our relationship with Him, whether we're like seeking a certain thing or just taking that day to fast. And for the Jews, that meant a full 24 hours of not eating food. And so what would happen is they wouldn't do like starting in the morning, they would do from sunset to sunset. So 6 p.m., they would, they, after 6 p.m., you couldn't eat anything, and they couldn't eat anything for the next day until it hit 6 p.m., and then you could have dinner. And so that's how they would do it on a, on a regular basis. In fact, the Pharisees, you know how they would just add on laws, would do it two, two times a week and keep going. So what we need to see is that the law is fine. It's, it's the action. It's God doesn't just ask for us to be um, doing all these things. He actually looks at the motivation of the heart. Why? He doesn't just tell you what to do. He asks you, why are you doing it? Why are you uh, going out of your way to do these things if you're not going to actually do them for me. So he doesn't look at the actions by itself. He looks at the heart because if you don't have both and you have yourself, you, you find yourself just doing actions for the sake of doing them and there's no point to it. So first of all, verse one kind of sets us up for the whole context. It kind of gives us the main point and then we get into it. Verse one says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Beware is a very strong word. It's like take action so that you don't fall into this trap. Put things into place so that you do not fall into this idea of doing your righteousness, not before God, but before men. So when that happens, it, it's, he's saying righteousness as a blanket cover over everything but now we're going to get into those three things. He picks very the most simple things. He's like, here's Christianity one-on-one, -on -one, and we're going, to do, we're going to explain the very basic things of just giving, prayer, and fasting, and show how even the simplest things about Christianity can be taken from the glory of God and put
put on ourselves. We can shine that light that's supposed to be on the Lord, and we shine it on ourselves. And we can see in the next part of verse 1, for then you will have no reward for your Father who is in heaven. And that comes up a couple times in this passage. So before we continue, let's talk about it. Because you might be thinking, well, Chad, I don't, I don't really care about the reward. You know, like, let's just kind of live and keep going. And, you know, I'm not really focused on the reward. But the idea isn't so much about the reward. It's actually talking about the reason for the reward. When God, God will not approve of something that he's not going, that he doesn't approve of. <laughs> but he's going to, actually, the reward shows that you have done something that is pleasing to God. So if he doesn't give you a reward, it's not so much about the reward as much as you didn't do something that pleased your heavenly father. So that's going to come up a couple times. So it's not so much about like what it's going to be. In fact, I'm glad he doesn't tell you exactly what the reward is because then our focus would be even more so on ourselves. It's because if you see that the Lord is responding in um, giving you a reward, then that means that he is actually finding, he's finding you approved by him. So now we get into this. So this is what I want us to take away is God desires so much more than just your, your things, the things that you do. God desires a sincere devotion. And so for the first thing and starting in, in verse 2, I want us to see that sincere devotion, it starts with true, with true generosity. It starts with true generosity. Verse 2 says, Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets and they may praise by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. There isn't really a, a case where we see that there is a situation where people are using trumpets to announce where they're going um, and saying, okay, I'm on the way to, to the temple to, to put my money in the temple or whatever, I'm going to have a trumpet. So it's more of explaining, okay, you're, you're tooting your own horn, you're, you're making it known that you are being generous with others. This is interesting, though. I didn't know this. There were 13 kind of like uh, places where you could put your money, and they were in the shape of, of like horns and trumpets. And they were made out of, get this, they were made out of, of, uh, of just like metal. So guess what would happen when you throw coins in it, in the temple? It would make a loud noise, right? So it's basically that principle is you come into the temple and you cast your, your kind of your, what you're going to give to the temple for anything that was going to be used, and everybody heard it because you just put some in. That would kind of cause you to give a little more than you normally would, right? And so, and that was actually the purpose. You're like, look at me how I am giving to this cause. Is that what God is asking of us? No. Look at the second part. Is that that is the only reward that they would receive. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. That's all they get. They traded the reward that they could have gotten for God for a moment pleasure of really self-promoting, seeing themselves as higher than those around them. They wanted the praise of other people instead of that of God. So then we see verse 3. Because you might be thinking, well, I don't really have that problem anymore because we have online giving or even charities. I can give out of the overflow of what I'm doing online. So I don't have anybody watching me. I'm, it's actually a good time of life to be righteous in the sight of God. Well, no, because here's the thing. Not only is it about other people watching you, it's, it's actually about how you, you, how you view yourself. What is your heart? What is, what is in your mind as you do these things? Verse 3, look at it. It says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So it's about you. 
It's about the condition of your heart. What is the motivation of you giving in the first place? Because if we're supposed to don't let your left know what your right is doing, it's not necessarily, that's not, it's not literal. It's showing us that if you dwell on it, if, you, if you're doing it to please yourself, then you're still out of line. Because now you're making sure that, okay, you're not doing it out of overflow. You're not, you're not giving to the Lord because of what he's already done for you. You're giving to the Lord an expectation of what he's going to do in the future. So now you're actually putting the focus back on yourself because you're thinking, okay, I'm a pretty cool person. If you, that's actually a red, a red flag for you. If you've given recently and you start thinking far too much about how good of a person you are for giving, then that's a red flag that you aren't doing it with the motivation that you should have. The motivation is about what God has already done for you. And that way you can give out of a clear mind with exactly what God is expecting of you is with, with real humility, um, with real conviction, and with real, let me see, devotion. So here we are again in verse 3. And now in verse 4, this is the promise. This is a promise that you can hold on to so that your giving may be in secret. Why? And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Again, that is because you were approved before God because you did it with a clean heart. So after we see that sincere devotion is, is done with, by the way you give, we also see the second part. Sincere devotion is found in real conversation because now we move into prayer. And this is a really cool part of this is because he's telling you, he's bringing it simple. We, we sometimes as Christians really complicate what it means to even do the simplest thing, and that's communicating with God. Listen to verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, and that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. You can't, I think all of us can kind of think of some ideas of what that looks like when you're just kind of, you're, you're, this is especially difficult when you're praying in public. And your first thought isn't, okay, I'm going to talk to the Lord right now. Your thought is, okay, there's a lot of people listening to me right now. I better not make any mistake. What can I say that will please them? What can I say that can actually prop me up in a way that's going to make me feel pretty good? A really good illustration is in Luke 18, verse 9 to 14. And I'm going to read it for us. It says, And he also told this parable to some who were trusted themselves, that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, thank you that I am not like other men extortionists, unjust, adulterers, even like the tax collector over there. I fast twice a week. I give tithes that I'll, of all that I get. But the tax collector standing off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me. I am a sinner. Listen to what he says in verse 14. This is Jesus talking. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the other one who humbles himself will be exalted. It's such a good illustration of what God is looking for in prayer. Prayer's not look, God's not looking for you to have the most excellent prayer. In fact, nothing you say is going to come is, is going to impress God. Nothing you can say in our limited language, for one thing, is going to God's gonna, not going to be sitting there like, "Wow, that was a prayer." I'm going to I'm going to give him what he wants because he said exactly what the preacher said on Sunday. I'm going to use that prayer as a model for the rest of the people. Now, 
That's, it's not what prayer is about. God wants you to speak real. You need a real conversation with the God who, who made you. And then the reason behind that is because God is a personal God. Look at verse 7. Verse seven. It says, um, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Verse 8. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. So the whole purpose behind it really is because God wants to talk to you. What would happen if I took you a plastic pizza every single day and I said, this is from me to you? Would you appreciate that? Maybe the first day you're like, okay, but then after day after day after day, it may, you know, it might look like a pizza, it might feel like a pizza. I might take it to Papa John's and sit it there all day so that when I give it to you, it smells like a pizza, but is it a pizza? The same thing happens when we just formulate these prayers out of these fancy words and take them from here and here and we put them all together and we say, this is what a prayer should look like. No, God's not asking for that. He's asking to talk to you. He wants to, he's your father. Notice how it doesn't talk about God as being the creator in this situation. Is God the creator? Yes, of course. But when it's talking in this place, it's talking about our father. It's so that your father who sees you reward you. It's always talking about the Father because that's the relationship that Jesus wants you to see right now. He loves you. He doesn't. He wants you to have this time of conversation with him. He wants to hear your thoughts. He might not answer everything that you're going to say because he's far too loving to give you exactly what you want, but he is there for you, and he wants prayer to be something that is personal. So, do you know what's interesting with both the first one and the second one is our, our pride is causing us to miss the true purpose of these things. When it comes right down to it, if we're, if we're always thinking about what, do, what are people thinking of me? What, do, you know, what am I expecting to receive after I pray this awesome prayer? Or when, I, when people hear me give this amount of money, well, you're missing out on a great opportunity to please the Lord because your pride got in the way. You're starting to think, okay, I not only have to serve in a way that's good, I need to be the best one out there. And so and, and I want people to see it. So it's your pride that's actually making you a liar <laughs> to, because you're doing one thing and you're, in your mind you're thinking something else on the outside. You're doing like whatever you're supposed to be doing. I, I think of Jesus Loves Memphis that we had last weekend. We had an awesome time. We had people come out. We have kids who gave their life to Christ. And, but, you know, I don't know what your motivation was. I don't know why you showed up. I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you my limitations as a human being is I saw the outside and it looked great. But why did you go? Was it to glorify God or was it just, you know, to be with people? Why are you here? I love that you're here, by the way. It's great. But why are you here? Is it because your motivation is to hear from the Lord? Is your motivation to praise him, to give back to what he's already given you this week? to encourage someone else is your motivation to glorify God with your life? Or is it something else? Are you trading getting a blessing from the Lord for getting a blessing from the people who just watch you and see that you're doing something right? He goes straight in. You can see why this context really helps us understand the Lord's Prayer because he's saying nobody's doing prayer right. We have all these Pharisees, and everybody looked up to the Pharisees, right? They were great guys, and, and everybody thought, wow, on the outside, they got it all together. They're doing everything right. So then we go into the prayer, and he's like, pray like this, and he goes straight into and we're going to study that in the next week, and I'm glad we're taking a whole week to study what, what that's going to look like. 
And then we get into the last one, which is fasting. See, sincere devotion is lived out in true humility. And, and that and humility is, is this aspect of fasting. What else is fasting if not humility? When you come before God and say, I don't even, even want to focus on food right now. You got everything. I'm going to give you my whole day or whatever you decide to do. And I'm going to give up food. And I'm going to use that time to pray and study your word. And I'm going to come before you in complete humility. Verse 16 says, And when you fast, do not look gloomly like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that they fast, that their fa- fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So what's going on there is as soon as they stop eating, and they weren't going for a long time. They were taking two days out of the week, and they weren't even next to each other. So they're going for one day without food, and they, they do everything they can possibly do to show people that things aren't great. They don't trim their beard. They put on different clothes. They mess up their face, and they're not anointing themselves or whatever with the oil. So they're doing everything possible so that people see, and they're like, ah, I know what they're up to. They're fasting today. You ask them, hey, George, how's your day going? We're like, oh, it's Monday. You know what Monday is. We, we who have exalted ourselves among the people are fasting today. They are not looking for the, for, to glorify God. They're acting as as fools who just want the glory for themselves. And the, honestly, they can't handle it because what results from just self-promoting is pride. And pride removes your ability to actually receive the blessing that God wants you to have through him. It's all about the secret. It's all about trying to do it in secret. And it's not because God doesn't want you to, to be in public and doing these things. It's because you, you can't. When people are watching, it just it, it is very difficult to keep your mind straight and remembering, okay, I'm doing this for the Lord. I remember just a couple of weeks ago, I was serving at a deacon's dinner, and I pull out the vacuum cleaner. They said, okay, before this starts, there's a few crumbs here and there. You know, don't vacuum the whole fellowship hall, just kind of spot clean. So I grabbed one, one vacuum cleaner, and my friend over here grabs another one. He goes to the other side, and I go to one side, and right in the middle are all the deacons and pastors. It's at the very last moment. I think they're just trying to figure out what to, what to do with us. And so I can't find anything on the floor. I'm looking around, and I'm just walking around with a plug in one hand and the vacuum cleaner in the other one, and I was feeling like a fool. And then all of a sudden I look to my left, and there's all these pastors, and there's all these deacons, and then I look a bit further, and there's my friend, and he's vacuuming like a monster. He's going all the way through. He's going up and down. He's vacuuming and everything, and I'm looking around. It's like, there's nothing here, but I plug that vacuum cleaner, and I'm like, look at me. I'm actually serving in the church, and I'm vacuuming. I don't usually vacuum, but I know what I'm doing. So in that minute, I was like, oh, no, I didn't get the reward because I gave it to the people who didn't even care. They didn't even see that I was there. But in my mind, see, it's not about the other people. It's about what's in my heart that's making the difference. So even if your heart, even if nobody cares what you did, but you're trying to claim that reward for yourself, you're missing the mark because your glory that you're trying to receive for, the, for yourself is clearly for the Lord and only belongs to the Lord. But here's the thing. I want us to see the big picture because all these three things are very intentional on Jesus' part because all of them are the very basics of our creation of our Christianity and they all have nothing to do with the people around us think about it our giving is from what God has given us our words our praying that is something directly personal there is nothing more personal than prayer because we're directly talking to our father and then fasting that has nothing to do with the people around you so he's using the very basics out of all the things that are that 
that righteousness includes, all those things, he uses the very basic things that only have to do with us and God and showing how even those things we use to glorify ourselves. And so what happens is we miss out on so much. But why? So why, what is the purpose of living in sincere devotion? Why, why is it worth it? It seems like a lot of work, honestly. So why would God call us, you know, is he just like a boss who wants to take all the credit for what we do? Is that what he's doing? No. See, God is so much, if you remember the, the Psalm 103 that we read at the very beginning, it talks about everything God does. See, God is far outliving any of us when it comes to righteousness, and that should make sense to us. God in his mercy is showing us through all these things of how we can become more like him. Think about it. First of all, we see that God is generous. In Psalm 50, 12, you see that there is no, it's actually one of my favorite verses because you can kind of see the personality of God. He says, even if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. I own everything. There's nothing that I don't have. So that means he's everything that we have belongs to him. He's the most generous. And But you know what makes him the most generous person of all? And this generous almost falls short of what I'm about to say is that he gave us his son, Jesus Christ. To die for us, there's no greater sacrifice than that of Jesus Christ. And so there's no way you're going to say, okay, God's asking me to give all this money and, you know, he laid on my heart to give this much and why would he, why would he do that? But the thing is, you can't outgive God. In fact, he's the one giving you everything you have to give in the first place. So first of all, he's asking you to be generous, but that is because he himself is generous. And then he, he tells you, to be, to, to be real when you're having a conversation with him. Jesus is the word. He is the one who communicates. God is not short of communicating clearly what he has for us. He's given his Bible to us. He gives us the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives and correct us where we need to be corrected. And of course, we have that God is humble. He is humble. There's no way that you can outdo the Lord. You can't ever talk about there's never going to be a point where I say, well, God is just really, really good. And you say, well, I don't know if he's that good. No, he, he ex- exceeds our expectation every time. You can't overstate the goodness of God or outdo him in anything that he's requiring of us. So what's the root of all of this, though? Like, what, what's the purpose? Is it because God needs anything from us? Because it kind of sounds like that. If he's requiring actions from us, does he actually need something from us? No, it comes down that he loves us. See, God knows that if, if we're like him, then that is the very best thing for us. So God loves us, and, and that is the reason why he calls us to be, to be generous. That is why he calls us to live in a life of prayer that is a genuine conversation, a real conversation. That is why he calls us to be humble in how we fast and how we live before others, that people don't see us just and that we don't seek to be seen, but we seek to be seen by God who knows us in secret. He knows us everywhere. He's the only one that can truly give us a, show us what's next in life. If we're caught up in what other people are talking about us, what other people are saying about us, that's as far as we get. But if we know that God is approving our life, then we can go so much further. You can kind of see why Jesus started out with beware right? Because this is pretty serious. If we don't get past the idea that God is 
really out for our best interest in this, then we won't understand how important it is for us to avoid the sin of trying to find glory for ourselves. That's why it's such a strong word. Be active about avoiding living for other people. Be active about making sure that your glory goes to one person, and that is God. Be active in making sure that you are living in a way that is away from danger, because once you fall into that, you are missing out on God's true blessing. Because you need to make sure that the motivation of is sincere and devotion, anything else that you do, think about this, anything else that you do besides giving to glory to God just becomes an empty ritual. You're just handing God empty plastic pizzas. And then what do you have? There's nothing eternal in that. There's nothing that you have that you can really take with you. You've, you've lived your life for the sake of momentary pleasures where, God, where, where people said, well done. But according to God, you really didn't do anything. You just had empty rituals. So my prayer for us tonight is that we would take the warning seriously, that we would understand that God has a better plan for our life. God really is looking out for us. If he wasn't looking out for us, he wouldn't give us this warning. So we have the option today, and it's actually a, a choice we have to make every single day. Am I going to live for myself? Am I going to live and just be consumed by my pride and want everybody to see what am I doing? Or am I going to live my life in a way that glorifies God in everything I do because everything I'm doing is for the sake of his name and for his kingdom? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, that you truly are a good God. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we know that you really did send your Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Lord, I thank you that no matter what we do, we're never going to outdo your giving. We're never going to outdo your desire to communicate with us. We're never going to outdo your humility that you desire to show us how we can be more and more like you. And that's, our, that's my desire, and that's the desire of those here as well, that every day we would become more like Jesus, God. Lord, I pray that you'd bless the rest of our night and our conversation, that you would keep everyone here who made it, Lord, that you keep them safe and keep them on this journey. And Lord, I pray for those who weren't able to make it, that you would take care of them, God, and that we would, as a result of coming tonight, we would leave more encouraged by the conversations that we have one another to live a strong life, that we'd be beware of living a life for our own glory. In Jesus' name, amen.